0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good evening, everybody. And I'll waffle until he gets this right, so we don't miss some of the words tonight. But you're very welcome, and it's so lovely to see you on such a wet, nasty night out there tonight, and to see you come in and have a hunger for the presence of the Lord. It does my heart good. And I hope that tonight that the Lord will minister to you. As you minister to him, I will draw near unto those who draw near unto me. Amen. And um, I just thank God for his presence amongst us. It's been very wonderful. Thank you, Ben and Isaac and the guys for leading us in worship tonight. I always... So um, appreciate you young people coming in after your college and sometimes college and work or school and uh, just giving of your talents and your ministry to the Lord. And the Lord bless you. Do you know what? Um, some of you may know, but others may not. General Court Church that might be watching over the next few days. Our brother Sandeep had to go back to India with the sad news that his father was dying. And then as before he boarded the plane, I think he found out that his father was dead. Had to make that long journey back. You can imagine this sorrow. And um, so please, those of you who know Sandy, you know him to be a a gentleman in every level, a godly man, a good Christian man, and uh, he needs your prayer. And it would be nice for those of you who know him on Facebook or have his phone number to reach out to him and send him some consolation and love and think about him. There'll be our time, too, friends, to go through sad times. We will pray that the body of Christ will be there for us bearing us up in prayer and uh, being there as a consolation and love and support because that's what we are meant to be. Amen. So let's really lift him up before the Lord. Continue to lift up my brother Gavin. Yeah, his, his health condition is not, it, you know, it's, it's slowly deteriorating. And there's possibly, um, you know, some surgery uh, coming up for him in the next number of months. We don't know why, quite when. But uh, just be praying for him that God will just give him that tremendous touch from heaven the great physician, Jerry Gannon and others. There's, there's quite a few in the body here that are dealing with significant, actually major health issues in their life. And uh, we, do want the, we do want miracles for them. Amen. Take them to your heart. Pray. Trust God for them. Maybe God will give you the word of faith for them that you could pray and storm heaven for a miracle for them tonight. Amen. So uh, these are very special prayer requests. So, tonight I'm going to I title this message. Um, what did I call it? Uh, Jess always says, What's the title of your message? So, The Authentic Lenten Fast is what I have entitled the message tonight. So, we all know probably Show Tuesday was yesterday, or Pancake Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we laugh at home because my, my wife, part of the staple growing up of our children was pancakes. It was cheap nourishing food, my mother would say, and it was easy to put together. So they had pancakes all year round. And then when it came to Pancake Tuesday, they doubly wanted them because you go into school and say, I had 15 pancakes, I had 10 pancakes. It was always the sort of, how many did you have pancakes? But my boys grew up in pancakes. We used to laugh at it because they wanted them more on Pancake Tuesday. But uh, today is the first day of what is commonly known as Lent. And um, this is the 40 days uh, prior to Easter. This is where Christendom and uh, kind of look at the, the great journey of Christ embracing his consciousness, first of all, of his divinity and the laying down of his independent living as a natural man and taking up a life of obedience to the Spirit. This is the, if you catch that, you're going to catch an awful lot there, because there's a lot said in that phrase alone, so listen back in the tape, I won't repeat it. I don't have a long message, you'll be happy tonight on the Wednesday night, can't do long messages any. I'm ready to, I'm in bed for 9 o'clock, okay, normally speaking, but it is a Wednesday night service, and I want to leave something with you, because there's a lot lot of nonsense, nonsense go around about fasting, and we might touch upon that a bit later on. But this is actually the start of, the, of Jesus' ministry. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 13. Matthew 3 verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me. And Jesus answered him, Allow it now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming down upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, I take delight in Him. Chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry then the tempter approached him and said if you are the son of god tell these stones to become bread but he answered it is written man must not live on bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of god then the devil took him to the holy city And had him stand upon the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, It is written, Do not test the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and immediately angels came and began to serve him. The baptism of John is a unique baptism because the baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. John the Baptist was a repentance preacher, a revivalist you could say going through the nation and declaring the kingdom of God being at hand and calling people to repentance of their sin. So it has always been a theological, strange uh, um, reading for uh, for doctrinal people to see why Jesus, who had no sin, why would he go through such a water? But of course, baptism symbolizes many things for us. As Christians, baptism symbolizes the washing, the dying because you're going into a grave of water and the resurrecting. But it also represents your laying down of independent living. And taking up nothing other than the mantle that God who placed upon you. And of course, this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is showing here. This is the very start of his ministry, 30 years old. And now he is led after his baptism. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. And immediately it says the spirit of God led him into the wilderness so that he would be tempted. Now, a lot of Christians, I know, they, 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 they love to go on the religious route. And, you know, a lot of people do a lot of religious fasting at this time. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not. it doesn't get me up or get me down. probably gets me down more than get me up, I have to be honest with you. I don't place a lot of utility in fasting for 40 days. Spiritually speaking, or even Christian speaking, or, or, or traditionally speaking, but men have taken the scriptures and they like to fit into some sort of religious work or duty. But that's not what was happening here. This was a very specific life that Jesus was living. We saw Sunday morning with Pastor Neil when he gave us the seven statements of the cross that one of the things that God was looking for in Adam was perfect, perpetual obedience. You know, that was his side of the covenant and God would be his God. Now Jesus is the second Adam says, I will lay down my own initiative. I will do nothing other than what I see Nothing other than what I hear the Father say and do. And so to that end, the Spirit of God comes upon him, leads him into a wilderness to be tempted. And so, you know, Jesus has to believe that the same Spirit that led him in has to preserve him there and bring him out. Because from this point on, he will do nothing other than what the Spirit wants him to do. And so he's tempted there. The Bible talks about this great temptation coming upon him. And it's turning the stones into bread, of course. He's very hungry after a number of days. And the enemy comes and says, you know, why not turn these stones into bread? And he quotes that scripture, man shall not live in bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. See, friends, God can sustain life by other means, other than food. Obedience is better than bread. I hope you can say amen, because it's true. You can have your fill of bread, friends, and all you do is put on the carbs. That's all you do. But if you learn how to obey the voice of God, something very precious takes place in your life that has eternal value. If either obedience or bread are to be given up, there cannot be a doubt or a difficulty about the decision. Um, Mr. Brooks, one of the great Puritan writers, says this, simply as men, we all, the poorest and the greatest of us all, together need the life of obedience. And any sacrifice of the flesh is cheap, that wins it for us. And so Jesus teaches us that life, that God would sustain him, friends, without bread. You might find yourself in the wilderness, and wildernesses are things, friends, that there could be many, many different types of wildernesses. You might be in there for a lot more than 40 days, but as a Christian, a man or woman of God that has received Christ as Lord or Savior, you have to believe that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, that God is in control. That even when we look at the world around us and we look at the Ukraine and we're going to be taking that offering on Sunday and praying again for Ukraine. But we look at the pestilence and wars and rumors of wars and the 62 major conflicts that are going on in this world today, friends. We have to believe that our God is in control. Amen. And that God can sustain us. And so the walk of faith has never been more important. And Jesus had to walk that faith. Jesus said this, as the Father sends me, so I send you. And that life has to be a life that is full and led by the Spirit and a life of obedience. And so Jesus could have argued to himself, well, I am God. I have power. Why not? I'm hungry. But no, friends. There was never an abuse of the Christian life. And we see so much abuse of the Christian life where many of us find ourselves in wildernesses that God has led us into. And rather than submitting to the will of God, we try to manipulate the will of God. We try to find our own way through. And I want to tell you, it always ends in disaster. If you are the son of God, you can say to these stones, it's amazing just as a side point how the devil always tries to interject the word if. How he always tries to get to doubt who you are. Christian, if you're a Christian. Now, let's settle the issue. You either are or you're not, amen? So no more if I'm a Christian. Tonight, those who love the Lord, I am a Christian. No more ifs and buts about that, amen? I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God today. And God's Holy Spirit is upon me. And Jesus knew who he was. In the Christian life, you'll come under different temptations to obey the will of God or to go your own way. But don't let the vanity of your own thinking lead you astray from the promises of the reward of a life of obedience. It is a wonderful path, a path that every Christian becomes perfected in their faith, friends. This is a way to perfect your faith, to live in obedience. When you can't find a way out. When you have to simply trust God. When you simply have to believe God. That you're literally coming like a scratched record and saying, I'm simply putting my trust in God. I have no way out and I won't manipulate the situation to find a way out. God brought me here and God will bring me out. What a walk! What a life to live. Can I just challenge us all this morning or tonight? What a life God would have us to live. To obey him. To put him to the test. To see what he can do. So that you have a testimony, not a theory. Hallelujah. You know, so you're not talking about someone else's experience, even Jesus' experience, or great men and women of God, or someone that you knew, or somebody that knew Smith Wigglesworth's fourth sister removed, or brother-in-law. You know, you have all these stories that go on in Christianity. Well, I knew the great Wigglesworth, or I knew the great Billy Graham, and oh, he was like this, and she was like that. Well, what say about you? What sort of life do you and I live? And so Jesus teaches us the life of waiting upon God and obeying and believing God. And so it is true, this 40 days. You know, you can, you can last really up to, if you're really, really young and very, very strong and fit, you can go nearly 60 days without food. 40 days is a miracle in itself. But you can't go over three days without water. So Jesus is actually in a supernatural, he's being carried supernaturally. I want to tell you, friends, God, every man and woman of God, is going to have to, will learn what it is like to be carried supernaturally. It is not a theory, friends. It is a life that God wants to bring you into. Not quoting someone else's experience. Not just, not, should I say, not just quoting someone else's experience, but being able to refer to your own life how God has sustained me because God will sustain you. The just shall live by faith. Amen. And that's the journey for you and I. And so the Savior, at the very start of being led by the By the Spirit into this wilderness to be tempted. He's hit with a series of temptations. It says the devil took him. Actually, Luke's Gospel and Matthew changed it around. Luke's Gospel says he was brought first to the high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world at a moment in time. So here Jesus is in spiritual warfare, he's been led by the Spirit. The enemy comes and Jesus knows what he's been fitted for. He knows what he's been prepped for. He knows that he's come into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. He knows that at the end of his journey is the cross. He knows that there's a separation. There's a torment. All hell will come against him. He knows this. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows that the real physical body and mind and soul of his of himself will go through a tremendous a tremendous period of grief and pain, friends. And so the enemy comes at the beginning and he says, look at all these kingdoms of the world. Shows him at a moment in time. He tells you the power of the enemy to be able to bring even revelation and false revelation. you know. And he tries to win Christ to, to this idea of if you would just come and worship me, I would give you all the kingdoms of the world. Let me tell you to try and win this world for God. And use other means other than obedience is the worship of Satan. That's what the scripture says. To try to win the things of God without doing it God's way, friends, is no different than the worship of the enemy. And that, that's a lesson for many of us to learn in the temptation of Christ. You know, you may want what God wants, but you might try to get it another way. I want to tell you, friends, there's no other way than the way of the cross. There's no other way than the way of the example of Christ. And you may want the same things as I want, but there's only one way. There's not many ways. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so as Christians, every one of us tonight, we subscribe to what the Bible teaches. There is only one way to God. Only one way to heaven. Amen. And it's the obedience on putting our faith in the work of our Savior Jesus. When the church tries to to use men-pleasing ideas or the flesh to bring about the purposes of God, let me tell you, that is an abomination to God. The enemy says, if you fall down and worship, the word worship means to lick my hand, like a dog licks the hand of his master. The powers of darkness, friends, let me tell you, they'll degrade you, they'll bring you low, they'll bring you down a dark road, but I want to tell you the way of obedience is the way of life. To hear the voice of God, to obey the voice of God, to walk the journey with God. Hallelujah. To want what seems right, but not through obedience to Christ is as rebellious as the sin of witchcraft. And then it says he brought him to a pinnacle of the temple. And again, I'm only want to touch on these. These are not long. I didn't, I didn't prepare something on the, on the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness just to give you an idea of the, of the trauma and what's going on behind the stories. But they brought him to a pinnacle now. They believe it's the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem, which is over three stories tall. And the enemy was able to transport him there. And basically he brought him, he says, now throw yourself down off the temple. Do something dramatic. Come on, Jesus, if you're who you say you are, you can, here's your moment. You're at the temple in Jerusalem. You're, on the, you're at the very top of it, which is a flat roof. You can stand up on the edge. You can throw yourself off and do something supernatural, and then the whole world will come to you. But you know what, friends? It is a life of obedience. Jesus had resigned himself to his own way. He would taken up the way of the Father. And the same spirit that brought him there was going to bring him out. And just remember that tonight from whatever we say out of the scripture. God's hand is on you. Whatever situation you're in, he brought you in it and he will bring you out of it. Amen. And there's no try to work your way through. There's no try to stand to one side and say, well, that's a good idea. Don't run your life on good ideas. Don't live your life by the best of a natural mind because it's only a natural mind. It's a life of obeying and listening to the voice of God, being led by the spirit. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit are, are the sons of God. They're not, they've grown up. They're not children anymore. They've become sonships. Sonship is a position of, 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 authority in the kingdom of God. And friends, I want to tell you that that's God's will for you. God's will for you is to come off the milk and to start taking the meat. God's will for you is to stop crawling on your, on all fours, but to stand on the two feet that He's given you and to walk this life and run this race. no shortcuts it was going to be a cross and it's a cross for us jesus said if any man seeks to come after him after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and that's the way of obedience the way of listening i do nothing other than what i see nothing other than what i hear the father say and do and as it is for christ so it is for you and me There we are, wilderness. We live in a world that's a wilderness. And I pray that God somehow will teach us something about this time of fast. Now, the the Ash Wednesday kind of always bugged me what Ash Wednesday was about. I saw Joe Biden with a big black dot in his head and you see a lot of people walking around with black dots. Of course, it's mainly Eastern Orthodox and Catholics do that. But it comes from the idea that sackcloth and ashes, this sort of repentance and penance for one's sin before God. And so as, a, as, a Christian, as Christian leaders, we don't subscribe to that. I, used to say, I, I enjoy telling people I don't repent anymore. They look at me as if I've committed some sort of sin. I can hear the collective breathing of those who don't understand the doctrine. But it's true, I, ha- I don't repent anymore. I repented 38 years ago, but I confess every day. Can you say amen? 38 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I repented of my sin, and he came into my life, and there's no more sackcloth and ashes because I'll tell you he turns your morning into joy. He ta- he ta- he gives you the oil, the joy for mourning. He takes away, he gives you the beauty for ashes. And that's what happens in Christianity, friends. When Christ comes, the beauty for ashes comes. No more ash for me, no more ash for you, amen. That the work has already been done, and we praise God for that. That Jesus Christ paid all the price for us, amen. And so we're not going into some sort of religious religious binding forty days of prayer and fasting. Now, I do understand there could be times in the spirit that God will lead you to fast. And that's righteous because then you have to obey the voice of the spirit. There's times when God will bring you into elongated times of fasting because he's trying to speak to you or deal with you. Or maybe there's a journey he wants to bring you on. But it's never done out of religious penance are paying God back for something, or adding to the work of grace because that's how it's taken by a lot of Christianity today. And I want to tell you, friends, that's not what the Scriptures teach. That is so far from what the Scriptures teach. It's way off what the Word of God would have you and I to do today. And so the, this great walk of Christ in the, in the wilderness, being tempted of the enemy, shows us the absolute reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And I can't overestimate that for you. You might be the youngest Christian here, but you have to hear this. It is a life of the Spirit. It's a life being led by God. Not led by your own flesh. Not being led by your own imagination. Being led by the Spirit. But you know, when we come to fasting... There's a great, great scripture. And I wanted, This is the thought, really. I want to kind of get to because I just wanted to touch on on where we are in the Christian calendar with the forty days of Lent, and now you have an idea what went on there. But this is the thought that the Lord I, I want to leave with you tonight because there is a fast that every Christian has to keep. Amen. There is a fast, and as I said, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you into physical fasts and physical physical times of elongated prayer, and that's okay. That's biblical. Not ritualistic. Well, this is the time of the year, assume the position. 40 days of it. You know, No, that's not the life of the Christian. That's not the way we live, friends. That's not the life that God's called you to live. But there is a fast that God has mandated every man and woman to be part of. And it's, you find it in Isaiah chapter 58. Verse 6. So as we come into this time of the year where everybody's getting bits of black on their forehead and people are giving up. Uh, an hour of Facebook a day <laughs> or whatever it might be, watching television, cutting down on sweets or cutting them out and all this sort of stuff. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with those, cutting those things out of your life. There's nothing wrong with actual fasts. It can be very healthy, but it's not going to pay for your sin and it's not going to press God. It might be just healthy for your mind to give these things a break. It might just be healthy for your body to give these things a break. And so there's utility to all that, but not to make God love you more or accept you more or to look at you as better than the next person, not at all. But there is a fast that God wants everyone to keep. Man, woman, boy and girl. And this is what he says. Isn't this the fast that I choose? To break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? To bring the poor and homeless into your house. To clothe the naked when you see him. And to not ignore your own flesh and blood. This is what God is talking about, friends. Not these sort of Olympic games of fasts. What did you give up? Oh, I give up this. How long did you last? Oh, I did the whole 40 days. Whatever. My, that's not what it's about. Not this sort of survival of the fittest. This Darwinian Christianity. No friends, God goes right to the very, very heart. There's a fast that God wants and it's a fast, friends, of sharing your bread with the hungry and opening your door to the homeless and clothing the naked and not turning away from your own fellow man when you see them in need and walking down the streets without any sense of burden or prayer for them. He says, your light will appear like a dawn. And your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you. The Lord's glory will be your rear guard. And at that time when you will call to the Lord, He will answer you. And He will say, here I am. You want to do a fast, friends? Do a fast of breaking through the earthen vessel of your own flesh that is so stinking selfish and so indifferent in its natural self. That's what God is saying. You've got a natural flesh still on you. We have an old nature that will try to lens everything and protect itself and feather its own nest and care for itself. And God says, if you start to break through that and begin to concern yourself with others and show love to other people, then your light will break forth. The light of Christ that's inside you will begin to break out of that earthen jar and the world will know you are a Christian. The world will know there is a real man or woman of God that works with them our lives with them, our neighbors to them. If you get rid of the yoke from around your neck and stop pointing the finger and malicious speaking. Wow, this is the fast that I want. Stop pointing your finger. Stop pointing out the faults of your brothers and sisters. Stop speaking ill of them. You see, friends, that's not just about 40 days, that's a life. That's what God would have for you and me to check our tongues in at the, at the altar, amen, and have a, a cold sent from heaven to touch our lips with holy fire. This is what God would have. This is true and undefiled religion where you start not, stop turning away from your own flesh. I tell you, friends, the world around us, the brothers and sisters of different colors and nations, we can't live in differently. And God says, if you stop, living so selfishly, so self-centered, and begin to focus upon the need around you, then the Christ life that's inside you will break through the earthen vessel, and everything that the apostle Paul says about you will be true, that the treasure is in the earthen vessel. And the world needs to see you, real Christian. Do you see, when Jesus talked about hiding your life under a bushel, this is what he was talking about. Having Christ in here, but using the life just for yourself. That's what the devil tried to tempt Christ with. Why don't you use your power? You are the son of God. You can do this. Oh, you can say, well, I'm a Christian. My sin isn't imputed to me. I'm free to do this if I want to do it. I want to tell you, friends, what the Bible is saying. You're free not to do that. And you're free to begin to reach out with the kindness and the love of God. And as you begin to honor what God is saying to you, then your light will break forth as the day. What a promise for you and I. What a way for us to get over our own insular smallness, friends. Our own tiny mindsets. Our own ineptitudes and our own failures and our own vices, friends. What a way to do it. To go out and find someone and show them the love of God. Don't be just telling them about the love of God. Show them the love of God. Hallelujah. Start speaking well of people. Start validating people. Start telling them how loved they are. Start walking up and say, "You are a child of the living God. God loves you, even if they're not born again." Tell them how much God loves them, and he was absolutely right. Going up to every man, you can look at me. I, I want to tell you, brother. I want to tell you, sister. God loves you. I want to tell you, the apple of His eye. You might be far from Him, but He's not far from you. Hallelujah. That's the fast that I want. Don't be trying to do something for, for God, you know, some sort of religious thing that you feel good about yourself and think you're higher than the next Christian because you're more disciplined. I read more, I gave more, I did more. No, friends. No, stop pointing the finger. Speak life over people. You're malicious speaking. And if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like the noonday. Have you felt like there's a lot of darkness in your life as a Christian? Start finding people and start blessing them in Jesus' name. Start to play the life of a servant. Stop losing the life of God just for yourself and just insulating yourself against the get out of jail card that you have of salvation and just living this life. The Bible says in Romans 4, this life he lived, talking about Christ, he lived to God. And that's what the temptations in the wilderness was about. Jesus showed us that this life was to be lived to God. That the Holy Spirit was going to leave. He wasn't going to satisfy himself. He wasn't going to try to establish himself. He was going, wasn't going to try to make his own way. He was going to go the way of the cross. And the way of the cross, friends, is a way of humility. It's a way of love, friends. It's the way that Jesus, our our wonderful Savior, taught us. And you can't escape it. And I was just thinking, just as a thought today, as I was sitting at my desk, thinking, oh God, maybe for all those who are putting pieces of ash on their forehead and boasting upon what they're giving up for God, why don't you put away the pointing of the finger, the malicious, malicious talk out of your mouth, and why don't you just start finding poor people and loving on them, and validating those around you, and receiving them, I want to tell you, friends, that's when you begin to see the break in the earthen vessel. For those of you who don't understand, a lot of young Christians here, the earthen vessel is a piece of pottery. Apostle Paul uses this allegory that you're like a pottery vessel, a piece of pottery with a lid in it, and the life of God's inside in you. The issue with that, friends, is that that life wants to get out of you, and as you begin to put away the pointing of the finger and your malicious talk. Your comparativeness, your, your, your mealy-mouthedness, your stinginess with your resources, the stinginess with your life, all about me moments. The minute you start to live the way the Savior did in generosity and love and kindness towards others, there's a break happens in that piece of pottery. And that never fix again. Hallelujah. And with that bit of a break, a little bit of the light begins to shine out. And as you do it again, another bit of that light shines out. And as you do it again, another bit, until you begin to break that earthen vessel and the essence of what's inside you that God, the Holy Spirit placed in you becomes evidence. Then you're not living the way Jesus commanded us not to. You're not living under a bushel. You're living as a city on a hill. So maybe these 40 days, we start to live differently. Maybe these 40 days will be the 40 days for the rest of our life where we as Christians say this is the fast, the perpetual fast, the everlasting fast, the way that Jesus himself lived, the humility, the love, the consideration for others, the preferring others, the endorsement, the kindness, Yet he knew the evilness of the heart. I love this song. It was an old song. He loved me, yet he knew me. Amazing. He loved me, yet he knew me. And most of us should be blushing if we had even a vague revelation of what that meant. He knew every ill about us. Yet he loved us. And God has called you and I to do the same. But I want to reassure you this. When the call to do that is the same as Christ, the power is there for you to do it. Because in your own strength you can't. Jesus has been led by the Spirit. And you and I have been led by the Spirit. And with that leading of the Spirit comes the power of the Spirit. And with that power of the Spirit comes the ecstasy of the power which is of God and not of us. And all of a sudden your doctrine becomes supernaturally transposed into a life of light, love and kindness, meekness, gentleness and self-control. And there is no law to hold you back. So I pray for all watching, for all here. What are you giving up for Lent? What are you fasting? Oh, my fast is putting away the malicious tongue that I have. And the point here, I'm so critical of others. I'm not going to do that. By the grace of God, I'm not doing it. I'm going to validate those who I criticize. And I'm going to speak good of those that I've spoken ill of. And I'm going to validate, I'm going to find things. Even if they're hard to find, I'm going to find things. Oh, you've got lovely shoes. You <laughs> might be as low as that. I'm going to find things. And I'm going to let the love of Christ just shine in the most practical way. Now, I'll put it to you with all the fanciful doctrines that we may talk about tonight and big theological terms, without these components, it is a clanging symbol. It's a gong that rings out. Do I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and having this sort of love, let me tell you, it amounts to nothing. And you may win an argument, and you might have better eschatology than I, and you might have a better grasp than him or her. But I want to tell you, friends, if you can't put away the pointing of the finger and the speaking of the ill out of the mouth, you and can't, you can't turn to your own flesh and show them kindness and open the door of your house, and dip into your pocket and give your offering to the Lord. I read a st- st- statistic. You know, Americans, this is Americans, but I guarantee you it's only a microcosm for the rest of the world. Talk about the Christians, spend more money in pet food than they do in missions. Talk about turning away from your own flesh. That dog and that cat isn't your flesh. Might be a good buddy to have, but it ain't your flesh. So many are so consumed on what you're going to buy next week and where you're going to go. You can't even give to help. Ukraine, emissions, missions, the life of the gospel, the spreading of the gospel, the discipleship of people. That's not turning away from your own flesh, friends. That's where it becomes real. And that's the fast that I've called for. And you have to metric yourself against that. See where you are and have the honesty to say, I'm in a minus position or a slight plus, but I ain't going to stay there. By the grace of God, I'm moving in the power of the spirit and I'm going to apprehend all these wonderful, wonderful Christ-like attributes that are already in me. But the grace of God, I'm going to break through the flesh of that earthen vessel and the power and life and light of God will shine through our nation and through the nations of the world. Oh, what the world wouldn't do to see a real Christian. Amen, let that be you and me by God's grace. Will you stand tonight as we just pray and ask the Holy Spirit? It's not about the drama of some piece of ash in your forehead. It's not about what you're going to do for God. It's about obeying the Lord. This is a fast that God wants every man. Read it tonight before you go to bed. Isaiah 58. read. It's a great chapter of Isaiah. Just want your doctrine doesn't want your ideas. This is true Christianity. Amen. Amen. To wrap your arms around this world and let the light of Christ shine through you. And I pray, I, and I pray that, I, I, to be honest with you folks, I want that for myself. I have a measure of it, I know I do, but it's so far off what I want it to be and what, what it should be. May God help us to enter a perpetual fast. And you know what that fast ultimately is? A denial of self. A denial of self. That's what it is. It's not about me. It's about his glory and the souls of men. And that's the only reason you and I are left here. And when, that, when we have no part to play in that, he'll take us home. So I have, to, I have good reason to believe that we all have part to play because you're here. Amen. I have good reason to believe that this is God's will for all of us right now at this moment in time. And then when we've done our work, he'll take us to heaven. We'll get promoted. Amen. So, Father, I do pray. Pray for the precious lives that are here, Lord. Men and women that, and I know they love you, Lord. But, Lord, your word challenges all of us, Lord, that this fast, Lord, is a different fast. Yes. It's a fast from our own personal, Lord, appetites mm-hmm. to just make a way, our own way that will suit ourselves. Help us to put ourselves out now, Lord. Help us to, Lord, help us, Lord, to die to self, Lord. Otherwise, we may wake up and in an eternity with a self that would never die. And that would be horrendous, God. So I pray, Father, Lord, that we will, as a church, as individuals, and as a body, God, walk in this perpetual fast. Please fill us, God, with the Holy Spirit again. Give us the power to live this way, Lord. I desire it for me, Lord. Nick Cassidy tonight, Lord, I'm praying to you, Lord, for me now, Lord. Give me this, Lord. It's not from me yet. It comes from within me because you're there. And I pray this, Lord, for everyone here. Help us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for loving us. Now, Lord, we pray for Ukraine tonight. We pray for the many, many men and women, and boys and girls, and grandmas and granddads, widows and widowers, God. We pray, Lord, for the hungry, Lord, in the Sudan, in Yemen, around, all the Af- Africa, all around this world, there's 60-odd major conflicts where people are being raped and abused and burned and murdered. We pray, Lord, for our own streets of Cork where there's homelessness, Lord, and there is despair. We pray for the many homes, Lord, that even some watch tonight, and they're full of alcoholism and abuse. Those who are in bondage, Lord, we pray for them, Lord. Those, Lord, that, God, they're full of darkness, but yet you love them, Lord. We pray for them tonight. We pray for ourselves that can be so full of selfishness and indifference. And yet we would like to do a 40-day fast so that we could boast above our peers or give up something that we could feel good about ourselves. But, Lord, I pray you will lift that sham off us, that absolute sham Christianity, that sham expression, that false... Pr- bravado oh Lord and do something so deep that the earth and vessel will be cracked multiples of times and the life of, and the light of Christ will charge out to this dark world and the world will know that I'm a Christian a true Christian I pray for this for all of us, myself first God hallelujah hallelujah, we just before we close, before we say an amen keep your eyes closed for a moment, just ask the Lord say Lord do this in me I'm willing to be made willing, say that to the Lord I'm willing to be made willing I do want to put that selfishness. I do want to put it away. I don't like it. I don't like the critical side of my nature. I don't like that point finger pointing that I'm always doing. I don't like that cranky attitude that I hold, that judgmental attitude. I don't like, Lord, that it's everybody else's job to feed the poor but not mine. Or everybody else's job to pay for your work but not mine. God, deal with selfishness in me and make me like Christ. And help me, Lord, to... Have a fulfilled life through a life of obedience and not through a life of manipulation. Help us, Lord, to come into the kingdom the right way, Lord, rather than the wrong way. We pray for this now, Lord, for everyone, whoever watches, whenever, Lord, wherever, that you will do a mighty miracle, God. The world needs to see a Christian church. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. I pray God would speak to us this week and use you. And I would love to see you here on Sunday, lining up to say, God, use me here. God, use me here. God, bless me here. You know, God, help me here. Because that's what what we will have in this house. We will have a line of true testimonies of men and women that have let the earthen vessel get broken, friends. But with the heart of Christ, God bless you. God, keep you. Transform that world for Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com. Or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.